Will you push <laughs> I push the button. Got it. Hello, everybody. Ava Dalbert, Hello. you are there. You're the one. This is your fault. We're having these meetings. I have to get up at 6.30 in the morning just to talk to all these wonderful people. And it's your fault. <laughs> I'm glad it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, but you don't say much. We haven't, we haven't heard you saying much. What Can you talk a little? How's it going over there? I am experiencing a lot of fear. And it's true that with doing fear club and holding space for fear club the fear gets more it doesn't get less and there are still some moments where i'm not okay with that or like my box is not okay with that but yeah it just feels very much alive to still do the things i want to do and Yesterday, the next round of the Good Girl Busters training started, and I'm I'm just I'm just really glad about that. Yeah. Yes. And I was standing there and sweating and, and <laughs> feeling all this fear, and then stuff came through, and it's just yeah, what I want to do. Thank you for doing that. Really appreciate the possibility of less good girls in the world. <laughs> One day we'll start with less good boys also. Yes. <laughs> or bad boys, as the case may be. <laughs> any any sharing from your other people's experiments? How are things going? What have you discovered? What did you try? I've been really um, just focusing or becoming more aware of how adaptive I am to my children. And I feel sadness right now because, um, yeah, like my daughter has been having quite a day. It just kind of was unexpected and she's feeling she? she's 12 and she's been really frustrated with her work today and she's been crying even, I mean, even right now, I think she's still crying. And normally I would have not come to this space because of that, you know, for example. And um, so, yeah, part of me, I think that, yeah, the sadness is like grief of, of having done it a certain way all this time. Yeah. And there's fear of doing it also like this. Um, yeah. Like this meaning what? Um, not adapting and not, not canceling this, for example, in order to, you know, be there in case she needs me or something like that, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm, like, for example, I'm so glad that, Ava, you can feel this fear. And I'm so glad that, Nicole, you're feeling this sadness because without feeling those things, the, the nothing really changes around. Or This is a sign that 
like Mark was saying, this kind of transformation is happening. And I'm, if you don't grieve the, the loss of your previous survival strategy, it'll, it won't, it won't disappear. It just sticks. It just stays in command. You know, it stays on the shelf right there, ready to function at a moment's notice. But if you can grieve the loss of it, it, disintegrates it starts disintegrating then you have new possibility so i feel glad about that thank you for sharing that yeah and the joy and the celebration to to that to do it different and to to be here right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yay <laughs> you know this is i don't i never used to do this little hand movement you know now, because I talk to people on the screen, this has power. Really, it's it's like there's something there's something to it. So, celebrating together. Thank you. Somebody else, check in something from what you've been experimenting with. I've been experimenting with gremlin issues with Vera and a couple of Polish, Marcin and Bieta, and. I'm and right and now so for a while we've just been picking foods and noticing how they how they feed us and what they take away from the the joy of it and what they take from us and and right now I I found a new one on the bus actually from one place in Mexico to another for four and a half hours, um, I noticed that sadness is something that I, that my gremlin has enjoyed for quite some years now. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, And I also noticed that it's very interrelated with other parts, other pieces of gremlin. For instance, the good girl gremlin and the um I think what else oh the 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 difficulty making decisions gremlin <laughs> and all three of those and I'm dealing with all three of those right now wow. and and so yeah so I'm feeling I feel sadness and fear and also joy because I'm in this gorgeous place and it's warm out <laughs> um but this and the sadness and the fear kind of make me have less joy. I, I feel less joy with those other with the gremlins going eating going. This thing about feeling less joy as a yeah. an approach is still I remember from my process or my whatever. It's like I still used to value joy more than sadness or fear or anger. And my goal, you know, was to feel more joy until I I really slammed into this realization that the joy that I was feeling was emotional joy. It It wasn't even... You know what I mean? It's fantasy world joy or little boy joy or the same kind of joy that I felt for 10 years or 20 years or 50 years, you know? And it was like, it's not even real. 
And so that really ruined my day <laughs> for about a year or two. <laughs> and and but then to then something happened. It was like what's happening is what's happening. And I get to I get to be there. And it has so much value. The sadness and the fear and the anger have so much value as well as joy. But it's it wasn't this value system, this kind of fake value system of joy is the best, you know. You should yeah. joy is better. Yeah. I you know, when when I hear you say that, I know that I really appreciate it when I'm feeling because I'm not numb. And so regardless of what I'm feeling, I appreciate that within me. And I do wish that being in this, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. So I just wish too that um, I could let the fear and the sadness just put it aside and just also feel just joy too. Yeah. Being here, Mike, meaning wherever you are in Mexico there? Yes. Okay. I mean, you could do this experiment. Here we are already, experiment number one, which yeah. is which is walk through town or wherever wherever you are and and walk through town in fear as a as an experimental explorational experience you know there's so much to be afraid of walking through town not not just the cockroaches you know there's so many <laughs> so many things that you could be afraid of and in this and walk- <laughs> Okay. What? In this town, it's only the starving dogs that I fear because I'm yeah. because I feel so sad. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is a very very safe town. Well, I don't know. A starving dog is looking at you, and they go, "Oh, there's a walking lunch." Yeah. So that's no, I, feed, what I I'm feed saying. them. So okay. But the experiment but is it's, to- also, it's also the fear of connecting. It's also of the fear oh, of yes. eating. It's the fear. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yes. That that I relate to. And just let it be big and see if people reject you or see if you are a failure or if you're not a human being or whatever the fears are of the fear. And then okay. on a separate on a separate day, focus on the sadness. And on a second another day, focus on the rage. And another day, focus on the joy, you know, and, and, but then, then start letting it be like, have a, like a four ring circus, you know, a four ring circus of your life, which is all four feelings coming up and down and, and having their whole, their show, you know, their four ring circus show as you're walking through town and go, God, you know, I mean, late, I, I walk up to a leaf on a tree and I hold this leaf like the baby leaf I feel so much sadness about you know the the elements in the atmosphere that are challenging the life of this leaf and I feel so much rage about you know the pollution and I feel so much you know um, joy about the thing is still alive and I mean I mean just like just touching a leaf and then I you can just do that as an experiment walking through town it's just to uh, give yourself this four ring circus experiment, and then then never then never stop. This wasn't just for you. This is one of a. This is our yeah. experiment. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds perfect. Thank you. Great.
Thank you. And I, I just want to add. Somebody, I just yeah, want to add I something see you, because uh, I'm I've noticed something very similar that my gremlin. I'm also doing the gremlin transformation. Like holds down the sadness, just like I can feel it, but I'm not really expressing it. I'm like not actually letting it fill me and 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 giving me the information. And and I noticed, okay, that's my gremlin using this sadness of just this like depression kind of state. I guess I'm like using my anger to push it down. Yeah. And I realized, so I made a team. I made a team, my sadness team. And so then I call up people immediately and I do it 10, 15 minutes. And then it's like, fine, you know, and then my gremlin can't eat it anymore. Because it's it's heard, it's said, I've I've let it flow through. And so we could you could have a, a team like that instead of keeping it like this dramatic you know for 12 hours dramatic <laughs> sadness i think i'll ask my i meet with my pm team tomorrow and maybe i'll ask for 10 minutes during that time <laughs> ingrid you. and Callista and mark <laughs> <laughs> but it could be more often oh, cool. Phyllis. It could be every other day. It could be, you know, it could be more often than once a week. Yeah. And the person I'm with could help me with that too. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Angela, go ahead. I have a huge headache. Um, so that's also why I will shut off the video again. And I want to share that I was um, in bed, I make it now a bit dramatic, in bed with you all last weekend. <laughs> and uh, it came um, about the sharing from Kian and Laura. And I, after now three months, met the man I loved. And I somehow had all what I, what was talked last study group, I had it with me and I could navigate so great yeah in situations of being um, a woman in the menopause and uh, thinking man the man he knows that i'm not so choosy any longer or whatever and um but taking really the the power back to me and being responsible for myself and not expecting him to take care for how i feel and it was it was such a great navigation and also being just staying present and not going into stories or not being busy with something else. Also not being then busy with, with that in a way that um, took me away from being present. So um, I really wanted to say thank you to the space because it was um, great to be, to have you with me in um, this first encounter after three months. And it was the whole weekend was beautiful also me not listening to him like uh, i know the stories but really going on this place of i don't know okay he's telling me now something what is this what is he telling me really being open and not in my stories and what i know already so thank you for what is study group it's um yeah thank you thank you Thank you. Thank you. I noticed a couple of people I haven't seen 
hear much before. I see Katarina and Catherine and Ben. You guys haven't been here for a long time. How's it going with the Catherine and Ben department? Hello. Hi. I was traveling five weeks and on the travel back home, Ben talked to me at the airport um, in Frankfurt and we spent the flight to Zurich and he spent a week in Switzerland and came for a visit. And for me, it is okay. somehow challenging. I, I realize my box, my strategies, my fears, my resistance. And right now I feel a lot of Yeah, fear and mixed with sadness. And somehow it is the fear of mess it up again. And Hello everyone, this is Ashola Bipova, the diligence for trial site news. He brings a lot of, of playfulness and lightness in my life because I, I perceive myself more than an earnest person. And I'm, I have so much joy that he is with me now. <laughs> and Ben, 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 how is this for you? <laughs> Yeah, this is this is wonderful to be here with a group, and um, I all of a sudden feel a lot lighter and easier. And um, yeah, I've, we've, we've we've just spent a couple of days together, and um, and I feel we've gotten at least myself withdrew a bit in the last couple hours, um, and. Uh, yeah, and now I feel like a bit more lighter and 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 some joy and um, and and ease and uh, trust in the flow of everything. Alrighty then, welcome, welcome Thank to the you. study group. <laughs> and I want to tell. Welcome, I, Ben. <laughs> I wanted to do an, to do an experiment. And the experiment is that he gives me space and that he stops touching me in every second he can touch me because my, my box is overwhelmed and, and I, I can't start get the wish to touch him because I'm, I'm, I'm so, um, in charge with, with keeping my boundaries. Mm. And so you're negotiating, you're making proposals and doing yes. experiments. Yes. Oh, great. And I, great. I, I stand clear and he can withdraw. And it, I, yeah, I don't know yet how I, I just be with it. Not, not, well, yeah. Yeah, Katrin, it's an active thing. It's really active. It isn't a be with sort of thing. It's like this works, this doesn't work. 
this long, this much, start, stop. I propose this. Do you accept my offer? Here's an experiment. I accept your offer. I, I Yes, and you, you made an offer. I want to change it like this. What about that? This is how it's going like that. Yeah, yeah great. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Katarina Joachim. What inspired you to come here? What inspired you to show up here? Well, I'm really a newcomer. Um, I just found out PM in November, like uh, by the end of the month. Yes. By 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 chance, I got a book. <laughs> um, uh, wrongly, like I thought it was another thing, <laughs> and then I started reading. The <laughs> a whole universe came up and. Uh, I got so happy with it, and um, then I couldn't stop reading it and reading more and looking for more. And uh, I have a conscious feelings also now because it's like um, it came up. I was I was waiting for it <laughs> for a long time, and it came. And I think it's uh, the universe I want to see and get in. Okay. All right. Well, welcome. Katarina, where, you call, where are you calling from? Portugal. Okay. Great. There's, there's great teams, even people here. Sonia's in Portugal. There's other people in Portugal to connect people. Yeah. So it's great to also have teams and local teams and you're welcome. I'd like, is, is there anybody else who needed to say something right now? Okay. I'd like to jump back into page 218, 218, and read from the book. It's in the section called Succeeding or Not. Succeeding or Not, because modern culture, our, our whole orientation is about accomplishment and success and that those are the things to be rewarded which is such a contrary orientation than being involved in noticing the details of the process like being actually in the process so being focused on a successful thing versus this process participatory process and so uh, the the go the book goes like this: a wedding vow. You know, this is a marriage, and two people come together and get married. A wedding vow is a fixed, rigid thing, and human beings are not. We're not fixed, rigid things. It is improbable that even on their wedding day. Two people have the same conscious and unconscious intentions, even on their wedding day. <clears throat> it's unlikely that they have the same size of being. You know, and we're talking about how being evolves through this awareness expansion based on distinctions that land in the being. So you put it's so it's it's impossible really, for two people to have the same set of distinctions, the same size of being, and the same set of awarenesses. It's, it's, it's impossible 
that they have the same interest in personal development, for example, even the same interest in personal development. Do we expect ourselves to? So that's this thing about having an expectation. If you're with someone and you expect that they match you in these non-material dimensions, I mean, even in the material dimensions, it's unlikely that two people have the same amount of money in their bank account, like in terms of material dimensions, even. It's not likely. And if that's your goal, then it's your, you're going to drive yourself kind of nutso. So do we expect ourselves? So an expectation unfulfilled turns into a resentment. And so what we're saying is even at the beginning of a relationship or on the, while you're relating and going along to have the expectation that you have the same intentions, the same size of being, the same interest in personal development, same, you know, my number of dollars in your bank account, this is going to set you up for problems immediately. So as we live, we learn. As we learn, we grow. As we grow, we change. Clinton, it is quite, yes. Would you change back to uh, saying in you and reading the book in, in you? Great. I will. Thank you. So do you expect yourself to have the same match your partner in all these dimensions? As you live, you learn. As you learn, you grow. As you grow, you change. It is quite improbable that two individual individuals will live, learn, grow, and change at the same speed or in the same dimensions, in the same ways. Do you expect that you should? Needs change. Priorities change. The reason I switched, I'm, I'm answering Ingrid's question, Ingrid's question is is because it gets more personal and in your face because talking in the we form the way the book was written this was long ago and I was not so much of an asshole as I am today it's hard work to become professional asshole and so this is you this is in your face and so I want to make it as personal as possible and that's why the you you form thank you I do you're welcome very- in being an, a conscious asshole. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. So needs change, priorities change, sensitivities change. What is to happen if one of you who made your wedding vow dies And a new configuration grows out of the ashes. And I don't just mean, I don't just mean actually physically die. I mean, like Phyllis is going through this process of a part of herself dying. And it's this grief process. And so who who will Phyllis become? Who's the next Phyllis? We don't know. She doesn't maybe know. But this new Phyllis is evolving right here before our eyes. And that, that happens with each of us. So that will happen with you. And if if that's not in your mind as a model, if it's not okay to get it that you're this 
dying, evolving, birthing thing that's that is that alive, and so is this person you're relating with. If if you don't if you're trying to match your your presence or your interactions to a picture, you know, your wedding picture. You know, so many people have these pictures on their counter of their wedding day. You know, it was the best day of my life or whatever. And and to use that as a from the movies or from, you know, your parents or whatever, to use that as a a model to li- live into is a, a kind of a death warrant on your aliveness. So let me keep reading. So what causes relating to continue and what is the purpose of relating anyway after some years of natural development and growth in in your life in while you're relating you may find that your relating no longer nurtures your development i just want to say that last part again you as you grow as you live and and things mature you know things develop things change you may find that your your relating the way no longer nurtures your development. Like how many people have noticed that in your past? You've been with somebody going along and something happened and it's no longer okay. So we, we know what we're talking about here, that it doesn't, it's not, the intimacy is not nurturing your development. So then what? You may sense that you have to choose between the least of two evils, sacrificing your aliveness to maintain your marriage or sacrificing your marriage vows to keep growing. Anybody ever confront that one? You ever face that? Like it's this lose-lose game. You're going to compromise. It's a compromise game. So, The vows are pow- that the vows are powerful, that the vows that you make, you know, if you're getting married, if you're doing this thing, they are powerful. It is evidenced by the percentage of married people who, rather than ending their relating, act as if their vows are true, but then they work out creative ways to try to stay alive. So even though a dual life is excruciatingly destructive. Let me explain what I mean by a dual life. What I mean by a dual life is a it's a kind of lie. It's a fake. It's pretending as if this is something and then trying to get fed over here. So it's like you're you're it's a deception. You're deceiving actually everybody in your world. Rather than being radically honest and and having this on the table and say, this is what's going on. It's like, you're trying to keep this dead, like this petrified, crystallized um, image of a marriage together for whatever reason. And then over here, you're trying to also feed your being or stay alive or keep evolving, that kind of thing. And so to keep both of those things going kind of secretly one from the other, this will just tear you apart. Does anybody have that experience? You're trying to keep both of them together and it just tears you apart. Yeah. 
And then you look at the other way around, which is put it on the table, you know, say this is what's going on. And there's a note here from Mark. It says post-marriage trauma is the reconnection of that separation from reality. Post-marriage trauma. Yeah. Right. Reconnection. Okay. So so this is a is this these are huge things. This is a huge thing to face into. And that's what we're trying to do right now. It's like so even so. So even though a dual life is excruciatingly destructive, and I mean destructive of your of your like in integrity or your kind of honesty, whatever, you just this the you have to put on this show in different in both domains. So even though it, it's excruciatingly destructive, you may come to the conclusion that feeding yourself extramaritally is better than quitting the relating and seeing yourself as a failure that's what we're getting to you promised your parents you promised the government you promised god in the church you promised all these people to stay together and and you're thinking that if you if you take that apart you see yourself as a failure i mean i was i was in a I was in a conversation once and this guy who's kind of a spiritual teacher was having a conversation with me. And this is when I was in the middle of my first divorce. And he says this thing, which is like something, how you, you cannot take apart what God put together. This is a belief system thing. And I, I was asshole enough that I could just open up a black hole and put that shit down the black hole and vanish the black hole. I mean, so because it's just so insane, it's kind of this, it's just so much, ah, God, it's so much tied up in, in that kind of a, a world of a belief world. And so just, it was really, you have to be really careful because it, like I said, this stuff has power. These, this thing called a wedding vow has power. Belief systems from an organization called the church have power. You know, these things have power. So do you. So do you have power. You have the power to choose. You can also declare. You can also ask questions. So these these are huge powers where you don't have to be a victim of this power. And so this is about questioning all this. The book goes on. Looking at our situation, we assess the alternatives. And I list three alternatives. Number one, use denial, belief systems, or drugs to imprison yourself within the original boundaries of a now dead relating to keep up the appearances of being successful. That would be one option. Option number two, find extramarital intimacies and yet still maintain the appearance of being in a working relating situation. Number three, acknowledge that you have failed and end the relating in disgrace. So those are like, those are the three apparent alternatives. But there is an additional alternative to consider. The other alternative is not common, but it is imminently possible. And the possibility is to use the pressing 
necessity in your relating to commit to an intense experiment in radical honesty. You begin the experiment suddenly and for no reason. So the reason I said that is because people think they can kind of gradually work your way into radical honesty. But the word radical has a purpose in that statement, radical honesty, because it's it's either you're, you are or you are not. It is not some halfway sort of gradual step-by-step increase in your honesty. This is radical honesty. So, so it starts when you start this experiment, you begin it suddenly and for no reason by taking every risk to bring re- the way you're relating moment by moment into adult responsibility and extraordinary human relating. So that's the experiment that you go for, you know, adult and extraordinary and archetypal relating, radical relating, rather than this mushy mm, back and forth sort of stuff. So with a fierce, irrevocable commitment, you pay attention. So this is part of the aliveness coming back with the radical honesty. You need to pay fierce, irrevocable commitment. You pay attention, you stay alert, and you hold it there. You just hold it there in that level of aliveness in the extraordinary. While you are wielding the sword of clarity in your one hand and your vulnerable heart in the other hand. And I would say, and your bullshit detector in your other hand. I mean, energetically, you can have more than two hands. So I I suggest keeping your bullshit detector around. A bullshit detector like your sword has two sharp edges. Like the bullshit detector doesn't just look out there. It's also looking in. So it's, you know, it goes off both ways. And you can just put that on the table. That was just bullshit what I said. So that's what the bullshit detector is for. So you keep those, you keep your sort of clarity in one hand, your vulnerable heart in the other hand, your bullshit detector in your other hand, never allowing behavior. So never is one of these fake words, you know, but that's your intention is to not allow behaviors that might drop you back into ordinary human relating, which is compromising or telling little white lies or, you know, not, not uh, telling, I'm not telling the, tr- the truth, but I don't want to say the truth. Um, what I'm thinking of is manipulating. Yeah. In addition to manipulate, what I'm thinking is I've just, I was just added a piece to the website, website called lying. We have a website that's up, but there's not much on there yet, but there's this article I just was able to copy paste into there about, three kinds of lying and there's this uh you know there's a lying by commission which means by you're you're exaggerating things you're adding things in to you know make it bigger than it really is and that's a kind of lying and there's a lying of omission which is lying of leaving out details or leaving out things and then there's a kind of lying which is telling the truth as a way of deceiving the other person about something that you're not telling the truth about. 
you're focusing their attention on this thing that you're so truthfully talking about and you're lying about something else. And mm -hmm. I have forgotten that one. It starts with a P. But it, anyway, I recommend reading the article, that section of the lying website, because it, it just is a wake up call about, oh yeah, okay, okay. Here's what we're really talking about. So you, you just, and this is the way that you keep yourself from dropping back into ordinary human relating. You keep your center, you express what you feel, you ask for what you need, make boundaries, make decisions, go nonlinear with your proposals, ask for help from the best help available, not just your usual friends. You know, so like when Phyllis said she's going to go to her possibility team and ask those people for support, those people have their swords out. Those people have their center. So your usual friends are, are going to more side with your gremlin probably, you know, and support your gremlin to continue doing that. And let the cards fall with they where they may. Let the cards fall where they may, which is like you take a deck of cards and you just throw them into the wind. And then some of them lie face up, some of them lie face down, some of them are close by in a pile and some are spread all over the place. But you're, in this way, you're encountering or facing into reality as it's happening, reality as it's unfolding and your power of creation as reality is unfolding. So that's, you have to get really close on reality. You have to get really close on reality to be able to create. And if you, if you have a buffer zone of little lies and deceptions and illusions and fantasy worlds and buffer zones, like you, you're not close enough to reality to create, to cause extraordinary things to happen. So to do extraordinary and archetypal, you need to get closer and closer to reality. And this is a big thing for a lot of us. It's just huge. And it's also fantastic. It's also fantastic to say a promise and keep your promise. And, it, and all of a sudden you're at reality. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's really scary. And it's, it's new for a lot of us. So I hope you can start doing experiments like that. So, and let the cards fall where they may. If the relating is already on the line, and I would suggest that your relating is always on the line. You get that? The idea of it, of God, my relating is on the line. You've been ignoring a lot then, if you think, because it's been on the line the whole time. Like every word, every moment you're relating is on the line, meaning it's has an effect on the line is it's it's everything is at risk if you're relating and everything is not at risk you're not relating actually and so this is where relating has such a powerful feeding and transformational value is when it everything is at risk and it always is like that everything is at risk but we just try to buffer it all over with concepts and projections and expectations and all this stuff we put this cream cheese frosting all over it about you know five centimeters thick and then we go ah everything's wonderful <laughs> if the relating is already on the line which it is what do you actually risk by finally and extensively letting your authentic self be known 
you know, what's the risk if it's on the line all the time? So this is cool. This is like, this is where aliveness is happening. If after some months of maximum efforts to maintain extraordinary human relating and the relating comes to an end, then you decide that the relating ends because it was successful. Because it has succeeded in its purpose. You have to look back and figure out each time you're actually with someone, how did that happen? Like, you know, nowadays there's these dating platforms and things like that. And even then, even with these psychological factors, you answer all these questions, they try to match you with somebody who can be your partner. Even then, you might try to partner with somebody who seems perfect with you and it doesn't work. And you try and it doesn't work and you go, God, I'd really like to be with this person and it doesn't work. And then you turn around And, you know, Thursday afternoon, you're at the grocery store and you meet this person who's been there every Thursday afternoon and you go and and that's who you end up being with. Okay, that kind of stuff. Is when you acknowledge that that's what really what's going on, then there's some other forces involved in how you come together with another person. And so what makes sense to me is that the Earth Coincidence Control Office is actively engaged in who you get to be with. And then, then it's, it's like, okay, the Earth Coincidence Control Office is, is, is a matchmaker. You know, it's what's putting people together. Okay, why is it putting people together? Well, it's putting people together for a kind of evolutionary process. And so if, if you have been sitting on the shelf for a while, if you've been sitting on the shelf and the Earth Coincidence Control Office has not taken you off the shelf and put you with somebody, it could be because you're not very interesting to the Earth Coincidence Control Office. You get this? So you're just not useful for evolution of consciousness because you're 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 hiding, you're putting on your makeup, you know, you're trying to look good, you're trying to be somebody who would be attractive to somebody else. You're trying to play into the whole show and the earth coincidence control office looking at you go, you know, give me something real. I mean, get, get out of here, you know, go do what you want, but I'm, I need somebody. So the question is, how can you look interesting to the earth coincidence control office? Interesting enough that it'll grab you off the shelf and stick you with somebody so that consciousness can evolve. And so this is kind of an art form is, how to you could do a whole workshop on this. You guys could do trainings for how to make yourself interesting to the Earth Coincidence Control Office. So it uses you in their experiments and its experiments. And so it has to do with taking these kind of risks or making proposals or you know going to Mexico or going to Lake Atitlan or going to whatever, you know, putting yourself into situations. Like Julian Neumann, you just put out a wild thing. Well, can you just tell us what that thing, you made an advertisement for something really wild. What is it? Which of the wild things? You mean the market? <laughs> the markets? Go I don't know, market. something. Just say I went one to the, of the I went, Go to the local market and put up a stall or even a table and offer possibilities. Um, <laughs> or to the, to the shop, to the cafe here, or making a podcast. 
for Radically yeah, Alive podcast. Women. What's the podcast? Say the, say the name of the podcast. Radically Alive Women is the next women's culture podcast that I'm starting with my first guests that I interviewed this week. And it'll be exploring things like Eva is, is also exploring like nice girls, how that blocks relating. And I see how women play such a major part in, in avoiding authentic relationship by playing nice, by playing small, by pretending to be someone they're not. And I know that from experience, obviously. So, yeah, so I'm, yeah, so I'm excited about you're putting that. Your, yeah, you're putting yourself at risk. And this is interesting for the Earth Coincidence Control Office. And you have no idea what's going to happen next. You know, you, yes. just, you have no idea. So, <laughs> yes. so, so thank you for talking about that and also for doing it. Because this is what I'm talking about is how to make yourself interesting and useful or have an element of surprise uh, for the Earth Coincidence Control Office. There's a phrase that we use sometimes. It's called becoming absurdly effective with a skill. And, and it's, we're all, we all went to school. And in school, the kind of, the kind of effectiveness we're trained to deliver in school is just barely enough to pass the test, you know, or get some grade on the test. And then we walk out the door and we forget about it. We just forget it because we already passed the test. I did that. You know, it's done. And so then we end up with a, a relationship to skill building that what we want to do is kind of barely get there and then kind of barely get there. And we're living this mediocrity with regards to talents. And, and you know, human beings have these incredible capacity to be talented. I mean, look at, look at any Olympic gymnast or ice skating or ballet or uh, martial arts, you know, just look at the quality of skill level that we can have that human beings can have. We have this capacity to build incredible skill. And it's, it's usually directed towards sports or something like that. What I'm saying is you can build skills in relating or in creating possibility, which are absurdly effective, which are not taught in school or shown on television, but are still absurdly effective. Like, ex- ex- effective to the extreme. I mean, if you watch this film with Antonio Banderas called The Mask of Zorro, he's, he starts off being kind of a scoundrel. There's this kind of alcoholic, you know, cowboy kind of guy. And yet, and he encounters the real Zorro. And the, rezo- the real Zorro needs to replace himself. Zorro's job, which is a possibility management thing. It's like, replace yourself. And so... And so, and so it, there's this part of parts of the film where the where you see the training, the kind of training that Zorro puts Antonio Banderas through to start to become a real Zorro, and it's absurd. I mean, this is absurd thing. There's a scene where Antonio Banderas is doing push-ups, kind of over a candle, and and the Zorro has sitting back in a chair with his feet on Antonio's back you know, drinking cognac and smoking a cigar, holding him down so he has to push up even harder, you know, 100 or 200 or whatever, how many push-ups. And, you know, Zorro's 
response to Antonio Banderas is again, do it again. And so he has to practice again and again and again. And it's it's this, it's this, it's a kind of a a possibility of developing or stepping into a domain that a few people get to or 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 achieve and 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 yet you can become absurdly effective at creating possibility for example or absurdly effective at connecting absurdly effective at you know using low levels of fear the intelligence of low levels of fear you can become absurdly effective at that it is incredible worlds open up when you do those kinds of experiments when you take yourself to that level of work and it's why not do that i mean what do you, what else are you going to do earn enough money to live I mean, come on there's there's the dimensions of like the the number of areas where you can put your intention to develop absurdly effective levels of skills is so wide. If I started to make a list, I I could not stop even stop before I'm dead. I mean, it's you know, I love making lists. So, but I would I just couldn't even stop making that list of how many dimensions there are to become absurdly effective in. And so you have to break this habit from school of being medi mediocrely effective. And, and it's such a deep habit as to barely do enough to get by. And this is about diving deeper, brighter, wider, longer, you know, fuller, richer, more dimensions. Just like keep continuing to uh, discover what else is possible in your skill level. And, and you can, it's hard to even find people to have a conversation with after about 10 or 15 percent skill level because because people stop at 10 or 15 percent skill level and you want to have a 45 or 75 percent skill level conversation it's it's not easy to find people to have that conversation with so that's when you can also make a three cell or a group or a team to practice these skills because it's so helpful to have coaches you know talk to each other go try this you've got to try this and it's there's this thing, uh, it's, it's this uh, one, it's a skill of using second thoughts and third thoughts. And it has to do with when you're in a conversation or you're talking to somebody, for example, and ordinarily you can watch people, they just say the first thing that comes to their mind. And they think that that's the thing that they're supposed to say, or that's the thing that needs to be said right now. And then the other person does the same thing. They just say the first thing that comes to their mind. Basically, you have a bit, bat, bit, bat, bit, bat, ping pong conversation between two people trapped in intellectual verbal reality, ping ponging back and forth the first thing that comes to their mind. Well, does that ever escape from ordinary? Does it ever escape from mediocrity? Well, no. You just sit at a cafe, listen, look at the people next to you, and they're doing this kind of conversation. And it is completely the sleeping world happening right there. So there's a skill that you can have of not saying the first thing that comes to your mind. And so it's it's a very bizarre feeling at first when you're in conversation with somebody 
and they say something and your 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 box your mechanicalness has this thing to say and you just don't say it and you wait until the next thing comes and you you won't even know I mean, maybe the sec thing, second thing would come from your box also. And then you don't say that. And then you wait for the third thing to come. And it can come out of the unknown. You're tapping into the unknown as a resource that has intelligence that you have been blocking for your whole life. You can let, learn to speak from the unknown. We actually have a website about that. I think it's called Speak from the Unknown, something like that. And so there's a... There's this is a skill that you can develop to absurd levels of effectiveness is letting the unknown speak through you. And so that not only is the person across from you get value through you from the unknown, but you get value because you did not even know what it was that was possible to say or what you were going to say or how, you know, and, and yet you, it comes through you and you say it and you get value out of it also. And there's this huge a uh, resource called the unknown that has been blocked by an education system that focuses us on only valuing the known, what we know, what is known. And so then you can speak from what is known and people are sleeping, but if you speak from the unknown, the entire space wakes up. So how many people have tried that experiment speaking from the unknown? Not enough, definitely not enough. So you can develop that skill to an absurd level of effectiveness and your world will open up. I'm just telling you, the whole possibility of relating will open up. And Chloe, you're going to say something. I thought there was a lot of people who tried. (laughs) (laughs) When I said there's not enough? Yes. Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no there's not enough i know i already know from people's comments like from from how people how, how things are going there would be a whole new level of ecstasy and stuff going on if people were really doing it but what were you going to say what else were you going to say that was it okay somebody else i have a secret goal which is to read the next couple paragraphs because then that's the end of chapter six and I'm ready for chapter seven. So I'm going to keep reading. So although you made mistakes, although you caused pain or felt pain, let me, I think I jumped ahead. After some months of maximum efforts to maintain extraordinary human relating, and the relating still ends, then you decide that the relating ended because it was successful. And the way I wanted to wrap that up is, if Echo put you together, it's putting you apart. It's putting you together for a reason. If the reason has been completed, it moves you to the next game space. It's like that happening, that kind of thing happening. Okay, can that be a play space for Gremlin or your box to to participate, you know, to think, oh yeah, I'm leaving now because, oh, because, you know, I'm not getting fed or I'm not contributing enough or yes, definitely this idea that, okay, this, I'm ending this relating because it is successful that can be taken over by gremlin and your box. You get that? So you need to have, 
a team behind you that that basically agrees that it is not just your gremlin taking you you know away when you were about to learn one of the most important things of your life and now you're leaving mm -hmm. so that's that's this thing you have to really there's a line to walk there and it's what i'm trying to focus on here is the failure this whole concept of failing if you are not relating anymore like if 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 things change and you and you need to be moved to a different place is to go away from this thing of failing so paying attention to gremlin paying attention to your box defending itself and and paying attention from beating yourself up for failing from the perspective of extraordinary human relating the, the relating has gone through its life cycle and it has accomplished the evolution that it was originated to accomplish. And that's where it's successful. It has, it has, you know, it has delivered, it has accomplished the evolution that was, that it was originated to accomplish by taking your relating beyond your ordinary world of habits and simultaneously bringing in contributions from all available resources you wring out of your relating every last shred of learning the learning then stands as a foundation so that your next relating laboratory can unfold with dignity for each of you although you made mistakes although you caused pain or felt pain although someone else could have done it better than you. You could have faith it's like that you both did the best you could, or you completed, you completed the experiment. You could decide to forgive yourself and your partner and accept yourself and your partner by having faith that actually you both did the best you, that could be done because you were the ones there to do it. You were the ones there doing this experiment. You could also have faith that what you are doing right now is also the best that you can do. Certainly, you might learn something later that will allow you to do better. That would, you, know, you could have done better now if you had already learned what you will learn next. You know, this kind of a mental fantasy world. But whatever you do better later will be done by a different you in a different circumstance. Dangerous complexities do not stop people from wanting to come together as a relating experiment. It has not stopped you in the past. Think of that. Even after all that has happened to you so far, you still want to come together with someone to do relating experiments, you know, to relate. Is the purity and innocence of your simple wish to come together with someone, it is, let me say that again, it is the purity and innocence of your simple wish to come together with someone that you can trust. So it's the wish that you can trust. Partnering is an archetypal form that we are deeply attracted to living into and living through. It's an archetypal form. Every moment enlivened by extraordinary human love brings benefit to the whole world. 
brings benefit to the morphogenetic field, this yellow stuff that we were talking about last week. That yellow stuff, these moments of yellow stuff, influences the whole morphogenetic field of the human race. It influences the ethnosphere. And everybody around the world can sense it to some degree. Let your inner wish to come together move you to learn and grow and do experiments that bring you more fully into living as an expression of your inner, of that inner wish. Just let your inner wish to come together, move you to learn and grow, do experiments that bring you more fully into living as an expression of that inner wish of coming together. That, yeah. End of chapter six. What, what's coming up for people with this whole thing we were just diving through? Fear of, for me, it's like, I still want to believe in this fantasy of, you know, like relationships don't have to end. So try to dive into that and find out why you still want to believe in that. Where does that come from? Yeah. um, Fear of, yeah, it's fear of failure. Just like in whose eyes failure in whose eyes and nicole it would i think it would help instead of saying it is fear as if it's like a thing outside of you to just say i'm afraid it's something inside of you yeah i, f- I feel fear of failing in whose eyes according to which standards or whose yeah. standards? At first, it, it comes to me. Yeah. And where did you get those standards? My mom. Yeah, mom and dad. Yeah, especially mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> it's this thing that gets handed down from generation to generation. So it's deep. Like probably even in your mother's belly, you were getting that program. You know, that as a standard was coming in even when you were that young. Thank you. Catherine, you were going to say something? And then Ingrid? <clears throat> I... I had the sense that somehow it is about me what you have read i recognize myself in beating me up and all this yeah this this pattern of thinking and also of yes failing how how failing is possible and and there is i feel joy to have the 
to have the possibility of just stop it and keep negotiating. Yeah. Yeah. Experimenting. Yes. Thank you. Ingrid. I I just left to Sunday evening the house of my husband where we live together and what I notice is a sadness that I might cause suffering to him and uh, I, I notice in this moment that my belief is I cause already suffering. And this is like I feel a pull to, and it's taking me out of my center. And I need really, in the moment, my body is so tired that. I think even the pool is not yet um, capable for me in its in its full power, and I feel it already. And I need really to. To, to say standard, but there is something else which will come up. I need to de- develop the quality of being a conscious asshole. If not, I fall, I will fall into the same trap I was already in. And mm-hmm. And it's, I'm not yet trained in being a conscious asshole. (laughs) And I need to train myself. I did every day uh, things which to my box are dangerous so that we train the skill. I'm here with a friend and his. Uh, ex-wife came and she wanted something from me and I took the risk to say I don't want that and uh, and so I'm training myself with the relationships or with the relating I now exposed to so that I can resist that pull when the sadness becomes bigger, when I'm less tired. Thank you. There's this fabulous experiment to do, which is to be with different people, but pick one, you know, be with a person and make no gestures, make no offers, 
make it's it could be don't say anything but it's to actually be with a person but don't cause any input for them and so and then notice what happens for them in terms of if they feel something and what will happen is if you try this experiment to try it you you are sitting there or standing there or being there or walking with somebody and you're not providing a stimulus and notice if they have a response and what their response is and what the thing is you will you will discover i mean the, the intention of the experiment is to discover that the person that you're with even though you're not providing any stimulus they will still respond and they will feel angry or scared or sad or glad about whatever even though you're not providing anything for them to be mad sad glad or scared about and what that what what that means is that that you don't get to be in charge of what another person feels in, there's actually the connection between the stimulus that you're providing and the response from the feelings of another person there's no connection between those two really because you could go to one person and say i love apples and and they respond in one way they feel really angry because their father was an apple grower and they hate apples because they hate their father and their mother always made them eat apples for breakfast because they were free or something like that and you go to another person you go i love apples and they go i love apples too and you have you know you could go i love apples and they go don't you know they're kind of pesticides and they feel scared you know all this are are they organic apples are they which kind of apples are they are they imported from a long supply line and imported from germany or someplace you know like the, and they cause fear and so you do not get to control like you actually don't even in hardly influence what another person is feeling over there and then let's say you're over here and you're going well i'm afraid that i might cause somebody to feel something i'm afraid i might uh hurt somebody's feelings. Do you ever have that? I'm afraid to hurt someone's feelings. And and it's like it's the that's the experiment to do is to not provide any stimulus and you're still hurting somebody's feelings. In fact, if you don't say anything, people will get pissed off. Why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you making gestures? Why aren't you making some stimulus for me to respond to? And they'll be pissed off about it or scared about it. Are you okay? Something wrong with you? You know, So it's a fabulous experiment to get that there's no real connection between what you're providing and how people respond. And so to think that you can control your behavior to prevent somebody else from feeling something, like to not hurt someone else's feelings is a crazy concept. Like where do you get this idea that you can actually do that? This is a fabulous experiment to do. Once we do that experiment, Clinton, how do we then relate to this important person in our life? You have an important person in your life? Anybody I'm relating to. What do you mean? (laughs) Why else would I relate to them? Why would you relate to them? Right. No, I'm asking you. 
how does that not make them important? So wait, I'm two things. One is important is a story. Thank you. Right. You are an important person. That's R is is glue. You are an important person. So you've made up a story about a person. There's there's a payoff for that story. There's a benefit. You're not important. If you're important, you're not important. I get to judge who's important in my you get this whole gremlin payoff for deciding who's important and who's not. So that's this thing about important, an important person. So you have so, this person saying, hey, you're not talking back to me. What do you do at that point? Try me. No, but so, so there, I'm proposing that it is in a live situation where there's not a rule. So if this is an experiment to discover that, okay, you're saying after you do that experiment, after you do the experiment, how do you relate to the world then? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to piss people off. I already know Maybe. how to do that. Can somebody bring me the laptop charger? Not me. I'm not going to bring you the laptop charger. That's for sure. So, so Mark, you're asking an intellectual question about a domain that's not intellectual. It's Thank not going to help you. to. That's why I'm struggling to give you an intellectual answer. I'm not going to because it won't help you. What will help you is to realize that possibly a lot of your relating before this has been mechanical or some kind of a show. And if you back off from the program, your show, the program, and you, and you check with yourself, what do you actually want to say? What do you actually want to do? What are you actually feeling right now? What's your proposal? What's your experiment? I'm feeling Ingrid has something else going on. And that you're setting up this so wait, example went too far. Let's back off a little bit. So you're thinking that Ingrid has something else going on. You're not feeling I'm it. Observing. You're thinking. Okay. okay, but you're making a conclusion from your observation. What I'm right. suggesting is... check in with Ingrid and see if it's accurate? Yes. Yes, but do you get anything from what we're talking about? This is not just for you, it's for everybody. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what experiment will you do? Try and communicate without using my brain. <laughs> okay. That's a great experiment for me. I believe it, good luck. I, please report back. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yes, Ingrid, anything about that? I was, because I was kind of, Propose, making a proposal for you, Ingrid, to yes. consider the possibility and I love that, it. that you cannot hurt somebody else's feelings. Yes, and and what I I I love it, and and what I get, I I'm more um, in danger to think so when my here and now is too big. I need to make my hair now so small that that the asshole I will be is just the next step. And this asshole step is doable. And it's not uh yeah, it, it's not a concept of of 
what an asshole might be. It's just, it's just to be authentic in this moment and when it's asshole, it's asshole. And that this step is doable. And yeah. I mean, in reality, it's not about trying to be an asshole. And that's not what it's about. It just yeah. feels it just feels to you like it's yeah. an asshole. Yeah. Because you're bre- you're breaking a rule that yeah. you were taught. You were taught a, some rule about being polite or being nice. Be a nice girl. You know, be quiet. Be don't don't bother people. You yeah. were trained that way. Yeah. To br- and to break the rule, this pirate part, this asshole part would need to come up in you that you're you're saying, look, I have a rule that I have obeyed for 20, 30, 40 years of my life. For, for And it has hurt me to obey this rule because it has made me dead and fake and plastic and, it, and a nice girl and not even there. And I'm tired of it. And I'm going to break this rule. Okay, well, what part of you has to come alive to break a rule like that that might piss people off well, okay, it's your pirate part. There's this great website we have called Pirate. I hope you check it out. And it's it's about it's about being a conscious asshole because you're breaking a rule that you obeyed for so long. And it's it's like I should obey the rule. It's like, okay, maybe that time of your life is over. And you'll start to notice every single rule that come up that you've been obeying unconsciously in to be a nice person. Holy shit, who are you then really? Who are you really? And you need some kind of identity to do that work. And so conscious asshole works, pirate works as an identity for a while to get through, you know, this, to escape this prison of all these rules, all this social niceties, all the being a nice person or being acceptable or not being a problem, being quiet, you know, be pretty and not in quiet. You know, breaking all those rules, that takes something. And so that's what yeah. this is about. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> Even as small as breaking the rule of saying please. Yesterday, someone posted in one place um, something that didn't belong in that space. It belonged somewhere else. And I wrote, it doesn't belong here. Please remove it. And I thought, no, I'm going to take please out. And just said, remove it. Well, <laughs> reaction odd. <laughs> no one deserves to do like that. So even those little subtleties for me. Say please. No. <laughs> please say please. No. <laughs> no. Thank you. Ingrid, I just wanted to say that I noticed how your speaking has been so much fluid, more fluid today. It it looks easier from over here, and I can feel the relax, like the relaxation happening. I can feel the anger happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go Ingrid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of questions. So, Michael, were you going to say something? Hmm. Not from the known. Uh, I didn't have anything coming up. Okay. All right. Thank you. Crystal, 
Crystal Gonzalez, were you going to say something? Okay, I'm reading your lips, but I, I see no. So, okay. Eva, go ahead. I just want to report of an experiment I did the other day when I was traveling on a train. And we were sitting at this, you know, we had two seats um, where we were sitting. Then we had this table and two free seats with all our bags and stuff on. And I noticed that I wanted to do this this experiment if people came and said, are these places free to say no, even though they were free, just to just to try it out. You know, it's just to, because my box would never do that. It's no, 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 of course I can put everything away. And it's it just, it doesn't really have any purpose except from practicing to do such a, a stupid thing, like saying no. And, and it worked. Like people came along and I said no and I felt all this fear. And I, I watched also how my good girl box could not look them in the eye, but at least I did it. <laughs> like I said no. And then, you know, the train filled up, the train had, had been, um, canceled. And so it was getting full. And then also to have the power to say, okay, so now my experiment is ending. And yeah, they are free because like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> to keep on stuck into the, in this experiment with people standing in the alley. So, and it's, it's just, it's so much fun to experiment with these possibilities of things I couldn't have done before because it's just so out of being nice and friendly and, you know, doing things that other people need. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I want to share an experiment that I'm doing. I I am practicing being really present with with people with whom I'm relating and I'm I'm listening and at a certain point I got at at the end of the conversation and this listening they start freaking out. Uh with the first person there was this gremlin thing getting really aggressive towards me like you are analyzing me you are looking into me and I I was just being there and I noticed my fear kicking in and I I this good girl box I just wanted to go back to that place of I'm going to smile I'm going to say something back and then I did it two other times and it's so difficult to stay with the fear and hold my space and not smile. And this last experiment, this person was talking to me and sharing things. And all of a sudden, she was done sharing. And she started getting really uncomfortable because I was there with her and looking at her. And she said, you are thinking things. Why don't you say what you are thinking? And I was no, I'm here with you. I'm just here listening to you. And there was so much fear in the space inside of me because I really wanted to smile and end that space, just break it. And I, I continued and I want to keep on going in this process of, yeah, not smiling and holding my space there. I'd like to provide a uh, a hint or a suggestion that can 
that really helps. And I, I actually learned it from the third Back to the Future movie, uh, which is the, which is that if you're doing something that looks, that frightens people or is scary for people, it, then they have to make up a story about it. And the story that they make up is that you're in a bad mood, that you're going crazy, that you're sick, that there's a problem, that whatever. They, make, they have to make up a story about it. They will make up a story. And so my behavior many times is bizarre in the ordinary standard. And the, the way that I make that okay for people is they, like she's told you, she said, you're, you're thinking something, you're not saying something. The response can be really simple. You go, yes, I am doing an experiment. And that's what was in the movie number three. The doc said, you know, he's stealing a train. He's stealing an entire locomotive to save the world, basically. And or and and the guy says, is this, is this a train robbery? You know, what are you what are you what are you doing? He goes, It's a science experiment. You know? And it okay, okay, he got it. Take the train. And so it's the same thing you can do in your daily life. You, all you just just go, I'm doing an experiment. And it's a fabulous conversation. People go, what kind of, you know, what what experiment are you doing? And you say, well, I I lived my whole life with this stupid, plastic, idiot, nice girl smile on my face, and I'm done with it. And I'm doing the experiment of how long can I go without the stupid smile on my face? Do you want to try that experiment with me? And it's a fabulous meta conversation. It takes the space into extraordinary because most people don't have this possibility of doing experiments. And you do. And you can just say, I'm doing an experiment. And they go, oh, okay. And it's, you're, then they have the story. She's doing an experiment in their mind. You get to manage this story that they make up about you that is not harmful. It isn't like they don't have to take you to the psychiatric ward. She's not smiling anymore. Please give her some drugs so she can smile again. You know, they, you don't, she's doing an experiment. She's becoming a warrioress. She has a sword out. She's being present in a small now. She's not reacting mechanically and unconsciously. These are all experiments that you can do. And so you can just tell people, I'm doing an experiment. It's really helpful. Thank you. Welcome. You can get away with a lot by just saying, I'm doing an experiment. <laughs> you can cut in line in the post office. You know, there's a long line of people and you get up to the front and go, Look, I'm doing an experiment. You know, I have to go next. <laughs> Don't let your gremlin get a hold of it. Okay, somebody else. Anything from anybody? Yeah, I want to share something. Yeah, I was say hi to everyone. And I what was uh, what was coming up with Clinton, what you were saying is this, like how Echo put a, puts me together with somebody and, and when it, when it's, what is the reason, the purpose, and when, like, there was this thing that you said about what if you're about to learn the, the biggest thing that you're about to learn and then you're, like, separating, like, when, when is that, when is that thing 
finish when it, when do you know that it's not your gremlin just like taking the thing apart so that you can continue doing it in another space yeah and there were there was a lot of feelings that were coming out from that because it's like speaking to to me and yeah you mentioned about a team like having a team about it and and I, I don't really know what it is, but I just want to say that, that that was speaking to me and that's like a, a really like bringing this, this question of uh, radical honesty, like committing, committing myself to radical honesty for like this maximum effort and seeing that, like after that, like how does it go? And, and I wonder if there was a, any, anything more to say about that. Well, Jorge, tell us the what you said is speaking to you, but what, what's really happening is you're feeling something about it. So yeah. just say what the, the what is the feeling? Yeah, it's a fear. I feel scared um, that I'm not seeing, that I'm not being radical honest, and that I'm still keeping in these two spaces, one on where I keep my, my relating, and then another one where I'm feeding my being, and I'm not there is no really like integration between the two of them and that, I, that I'm still lying to myself <clears throat> and that, I, that I'm not being radically honest with where, with where I am. And, uh, yeah, I'm scared of that. So Jorge, the experiment to try, one experiment to try would be to put that on the table. So sit down with your people and, and say, I'm afraid that I'm lying to myself. You know, and that's a very fabulous beginning. It puts a crack, really a crack in the game. It puts a crack in the space. And it opens up a chance for, for them to be honest about you, you to be honest about them, you to say, look, you know, this is our life. This is, this is our lifetime. This is what we get. This moment is, is the lifetime that I get. So what, I'm, why, I can't lie about it anymore. I can't, what's really going on for me? Like, what's really going on for you? Like, what, tell me, you know, I can't do this anymore. And, and you don't know what the other person is going to do. You don't know. They might get so scared and so pissed off that the thing ends right there. On the other hand, they go, God, this is exactly what I've been thinking. I, I can't go on lying or pretending doing this anymore. I just need to be where I am. And I need to tell you about it. And I, you need to tell them about it. And all of a sudden, this whole thing opens up. We just heard about that. This, uh, 25 years, these people have been together. And they're, this clo they're leaving. And they put it on the table. And a whole new life is happening for them. And so it's just, you don't know what's going to happen. So this is what's in front of you right now. This is, go ahead, and Chloe. The fear that you're feeling, and I've, I've heard it before, I've heard it from me also, this fear of, well, I'm afraid that I might, it's, I'm not doing it. I'm afraid I'm not experimenting. I'm afraid I'm not, you know, whatever. And to keep that fear, just the fear going, this is, it's gremlin in a way. It's, it's just this, oh yeah, I'm afraid. And I, I'm afraid I'm not doing it. And, and instead the fear is actually telling you Okay, this is the, you know, okay, fear. Where am I lying? Where am I hiding? Okay, this part, you, 
just this part of your life, you, you never get to share it with your partner. In that part of your of feeding your being, you're lying. This is one little part. And then you can bring that one. But it's to make use of the fear instead of being just feeling afraid. The purpose of the fear is to not just feel afraid. Is to really follow it back. And, and it's and it's such a clear guide. It's such a clear guide. Yeah. And and I yeah, I, I wanted to say I just I did a process with somebody yesterday and it wasn't about fear, but it was about sadness and realizing that um so I'll take your example with the fear is you feel fear and then you you create stories that make sense about your fear. And then you feel more fear because the story triggers the fear and then there's more stories and it's just like you on this train ride of fear story, fear story, fear story. And, but that's a, it's like a known environment. It's like a known environment to have this fear and the stories attached. Okay. But so the, the experiment is go back to when you feel fear before the story, you go back to before the story and instead of taking the story, fear, story, fear track, you take a whole new track. And you don't know what this track is about. You take a whole new track. And you just, and I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling afraid. And then you start looking around. Okay, what is my fear pointing towards to? Well, you just look you're, around. And you're you don't go going down the track. Road. What? You're saying going down the track where you don't have a story, but you do have fear. Yeah. That's what you're saying. You have fear, but you don't have a story and you follow the new fear. And, and then it's great. You need the information from it, but it's not like, okay, what should I be afraid of? Or what makes sense that I'm afraid of? It's you just look around. Okay. I'm really hiding this part of me. And, and, and then, and then the experiment that Clinton offered to put it on the table. Yeah, that resonates. Thank you. And uh, what I'm picking up right now is that I've been adaptive for so long that, like, I'm like completely in denial to to that thing that that I'm not bringing into my space. Like, I don't even know, like something like that. Like, I don't even know what that is. So it's like part of myself. Like, it's, it's like keeping it hiding. And like when I look at it a little bit, it's like it terrifies me. And I'm like, like no. And so I have this big thing that is coming up into my level like about like this is me this is like part of me that I haven't seen that I haven't like expressed or brought up into my how I created my life and my relationship it's like with my good boy box being a, a good a good guy a good father and, and yeah like I, I have this that thing that I, I don't know like kind of like I can see glimpses of it uh and then, like, I, I don't know how to, like, like bring it. Like, I'm terrified of it. And then it, it forms in the, it's like, there's a resentment. Like, I go into this gremlin part of myself. The ordinary resenting, blaming myself, blaming my partner. Thank you. I got this. Wait, wait, you muted yourself already. Yeah, I got the possibility now to, to be in the fear and go in this new new track that I don't know. Uh, and, and, and it doesn't have to be a TGV. It, it's not TGV speed. You just stop the train when it's like, you know, the, the overwhelm gremlin thing. You just stop the train. 
and you but you stay there and you can look around but it doesn't have to be yeah it's it's not fast it's probably a lot slower than this other track with the fear stories fear stories fear stories much mm. slower than that thank you thank you thank you and Chloe that's an amazing experiment There's this phase one and phase two and probably phase three of feelings work. But phase one is about learning to feel. And it's a, an entirely new world or breakthrough to inner navigate and being able to say, ah, this is anger. I'm feeling 17% angry about this and 6% sad about that. And oh my God, 38% afraid about this and 12% joy about that. And so to say these things is a breakthrough. And this takes really, a, depending, approximately a year or so, where until the point where people can't even talk to you and you automatically, they can't stand talking to you anymore because you can only say, I feel scared about this. I feel sad about this. I feel glad about this. You know, and people are going, God, would you just shut up about the feelings or whatever? But but it doesn't matter. It's about you. And then what will happen is phase two becomes available. And phase two of feelings work is to nothing really changes except you don't externalize the inner clarity that you have about your feelings. You go, you notice it first. You go, okay, I'm 17% scared about this thing. And you don't say it. What happens is you use the intelligence and the energy of the fear to just skip the first thing and you go right to the, I need to ask you this question, or I need to tell you this, or I need to change this agreement, or I need to make this proposal. Here's this proposal. And you skip the I feel scared or I feel angry part because you're already through that part. And so it's you're in phase two of feelings, which is the beginning of adulthood, where you're inner navigating enough that you're ahead of yourself. You go, okay, I am really, I'm, I'm 48% angry about this and this needs to stop. This needs to change. I need to make this proposal. And, and then you go ahead and, and do the things you actually use the rocket fuel for doing the rocket thing. And so, and then, so a number of us are in some part of phase one and phase two, but if you're at phase two, go ahead you know you can drop off you don't have to freak people out all the time by telling them the exact percentage of which feeling you're feeling just use it and then you start entering this another domain of creative collaboration i'm at the moment uh discovering what i think is phase one of underworld work and like well I, I just feel like or it looks to me like at the moment I'm just digging in the shit like there's just shit and underneath this shit is more shit and it's kind of this this process of um like I, I feel like in, in that the the 
the light or seeing that there's even something else can can kind of be lost or i feel like i'm losing it sometimes i'm losing the sight of seeing well actually i'm i'm not just my underworld shit and yeah maybe like for example i just i just have been in a in a man's circle space before and we looked at um manipulation how manipulation happens in our life at the moment and it it became for me so obvious that somehow a big part of my underworld is so dedicated to playing to 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 selling a show of being being somehow the best at being shit also and and there's this kind of proving proving with this to to my father that, that my father failed me something something like this and and i feel it feels so like that when i really dig deep into into my life like there are all these underworld stories underworld proofs happening all the time and in a, in a way i when, another thing i noticed is i had some resistance to seeing like i had a judgment about people being in the shit like there was this oh they're in the shit and i don't like why do they why are they not in the shit and now i'm in the shit i'm like ah okay this is necessary to do, to be in the shit <laughs> and hey kian i just yeah. want to you know, I've known you for a couple of years, whatever, a while. And I'm, I feel so glad right now that you are in the shit. Um, and so I'm, because it was, it was tedious before the, the Kean show and the intellectual, the questions were really weird off in your mind. And, and this is, I just feel so glad that, that you're in this stage and it's a stage and it's, there was a, a spiritual teacher, Chogyam Trungpa, and somebody asked him, and says, what do you do when you're in the shit? And he says, I try to stay in the shit. Because it's such a valuable reality space. There's so much reality hitting the fan and it stinks. And it's just, you can see the shit in everybody else. And you sit, and if you, it's not about blaming yourself or hating yourself. It's, I don't hear you saying that. I hear you saying, God, there's shit upon shit upon shit. And I've been living, trying to, you know, stay, you know, stay above all that or stay away from all that. But it, I just want to say, I've, I want to congratulate you, actually. And, um, you know, there, there are people who, like you, you've prepared yourself for this. You've, you've worked a couple of years getting maps and distinctions and skills for inner navigating and being connected with people in processes. You've, you've been in a lot of processes. You held space for a lot of processes. You've prepared yourself for this. It is sometimes the case that when somebody encounters uh, a clarity space like possibility management, that they start, they drop into the shit almost right away and they're not prepared for it. And it's scary or shocking or their parents freak out. We've had people's parents call us up on the phone and 
want to turn us into the police because we took their son away from them. You know, they're nice boy, cute little, you know, cute little boy. We, you know, we took them, him away from them because he's, he's dropped into this shit. You know, he's actually become aware of the games he's been playing with his parents. And he says, you know, God, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. And then, so, so when you're working with people, when you guys are working with other people, mitigate, what does that mean? It means manage, kind of manage the shift into the shit. Like be aware of, of this phase of things falling apart or things crumbling or the thing that looked to be important to becoming not important anymore. Like manage this phase so, so that it's not too shocking. Like just bring, you know, bring people gently into the shit something like that so that so that they're prepared so that they can manage the shit ride because you know this there are three worlds there's an upper world a middle world and an underworld and to learn to navigate the underworld is a new set of skills you know you need shit wipers you need this kind of thing that you can go through the shit and still kind of be able to see that oh yeah this is just the underworld this is the part I was unconscious about before, that I was unconscious that I was unconscious about before. And I'm in the underworld, or they're in the underworld, or we're both in the underworld, like that. Or we're ignoring the underworld, like that. It's like, there are three worlds, and there are always three worlds. And you you actually have access to all three worlds all the time. And if you ever cut off access to any of the worlds at any time, you're fooling yourself. And so, and, and to, to incorporate the underworld, the, the shit world, the unconscious world, to incorporate that into your identity as part of what you are, is a big deal. It is, and it seems as if it's everything for a while. And so, and that's okay. It is okay. Because, you know, in reality, you can still brush your teeth, you know, take out the garbage, you know, etc. You can do that. And in reality, you can look at the sunrise and go, God, this is just amazing. You know, this, this, these flowers, you know, this, this little bird, you know, this stuff is such upper world. So you can have, you have all three worlds all the time. And when it's, when it's a new thing, when it's like, oh my God, there's this so many mountains and valleys and, you know, avalanches of shit. It isn't just shit, it's avalanches of shit. And it's, it's like, okay, all right. And then you start looking at society and going, you turn on the television and it's avalanches of shit. You look at politicians or corporate marketing programs or profit making you know, opportunities and it's avalanches of shit. And the whole world, I remember stepping on a train in Cologne one time and it was early morning, like five o'clock in the morning, nothing was open. I'm standing there on the street and I'm looking at every single thing that was on this street, including the church and the train station and the markets. Everything was closed. Almost nobody was there. It was all about money. It was trying to manipulate me to be a, a pawn in this money world. Every single building was owned by some entity or corporation, and they were trying to you, rent it out to make money. Every brand name, every logo. It's all shit. So there are, these, there are these times when it just collapses into shit and just keep breathing. And you're breathing shit. 
And so, but you can, that's the point is, Kian, you're, you're prepared for this, but when you're with other people, help manage their, their um, entry into the world. It's not so shocking, like help them contextualize it. Go ahead on Chloe. I heard you say, Kian, about this, that you, there's a part of your gremlin that it, you know, feeds also on being this, like the shittiest person. And then you can just <laughs> prove that you have all these layers of shit and you have the next layer. And, and I think there's a really a difference between this invitation from Clinton of like staying in the shit and not making a shit show basically. <laughs> and the distinction that I found is that really being in the shit, there's, there's huge feelings about it. There's huge sadness and huge rage and fear. And that if you're not feeling that, then that's the shit show. That's the gremlin just adding on a layer and being on this, just this, you know, peddling shit. And so to also like, I would, I invited Phyllis to have a team where you can just feel the rage and it, and it can be this, it, it can be any kind of rage, you know, this rage of God, you know, how can I have lived with, you know, 30 years or plus with this? Like, how can nobody told me before? How can I never heard this before? You know, how can my parents didn't teach me about this or school? Like, I don't know, but, and, and the terror of, you know, what have I done? What have I done with the people I loved? What, what have I what have I done to other people? What have I done to myself? And and the grief that comes with it, and and I, that's for me a, a compass about, okay, I'm 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 in the shit, but I'm not letting my gremlin run the shit show. Uh, I got something for Kian too. It's funny and great because uh, a few months ago I started. Uh, this space in my YouTube channel called The Shit Show. And it's for this purpose of putting the poop on the table or whatever is happening for me. And uh, and I really, uh, I want to invite people uh, from this team uh, to to go in this space together uh, as this form of like putting the shit on the table. And, and what you said and Chloe about like that, it's not about putting the layers and not feeling it. But it's like actually like feeling the, the pain or of, of being in the shed, feeling the, the, the feelings that come up, the, the rage, the sadness, the, the fears of being in that space and and uh, like how, how to how this gives me like a new idea of like how to like carry on the, this space of the, the shed show and and key and you're you're invited to, to the space. I'll send you guys a link. <laughs> Yay. Star of the shit show. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Thank you, Jorge. Thank you. Hey, Wolf, you put your picture on. You want to say something? Yeah, you have to unmute yourself. Let's see. I feel fear talking right now. I noticed, and I wrote in my, I have a little log file to track what, what's happening for me here. What am I listening to? And What's what looks really significant, like you know this book and the chapter and whatnot. So I feel fear being called on by you right now, because uh, I just have this thing about fear talking in a group, and I get reminded of being in school and having some trouble with the teacher, whatever. 
and shame that comes up inside me about it. And, um, yeah, so that's one track. And another one was that this whole thing about relationship was quite uh, a trigger as well because I noticed that I've stopped engaging in relationship for some quite some time now. And I noticed that it kind of happened after I bailed out of my last relationship over three years ago. And there's something about a very close friend of mine who's also a therapist saying that, oh, relationships are such a risk. And I realized, oh, my God, I never realized that all my life. I thought risk was in mountaineering or business or motorcycling or whatever, not in relationships. And I went, oh, my God, (laughs) this is just, yeah. So I feel really vulnerable and raw about this whole subject. And um, notice that I I meet women who uh, seem interesting and attracted to me. And I go, oh, my God, what about this with her? What about that with her? And I see all those those things that turn me off, and I go, ah, no, nah, if I feel into that, that'll turn to shit, and I'm, that's too painful, whatever. Yeah, so that's what's alive in me right now. Mm. And I feel a little tearful and scared and fearful in saying all that. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Mm. Just in the last minute here, you shared a, a number of treasures with us in just this short speaking that you did. There's so many treasures, some of them for us and some of them for you. And the treasures for you are this noticing the emotional reaction about the fear of being embarrassed or not wanting to, you know, from school, this kind of stuff. And those, each one of those, each one, there's just a number of them. Each one is a doorway to a really valuable emotional healing process for you. And we have this whole group set up, the, the whole online uh, telegram group for emotional healing community. And just jump in there if you want. Say, so could you know, I've got this. I noticed it. The triggered. It was triggered. I still have it after all these years. Could you just take me through this process? And you can come out the other side with that not affecting you anymore. It's so precious, uh, the change that can happen through that. And so I encourage everybody to make use of these emotions that come up that, you know, we call them triggered or or, or reacting and just um, take it in, you know, write it down and take it into your, the emotional healing process is so valuable. So that's part of the treasure for you. What you could do, Wolf, right now is if you want to go through that process, like, for example, from school or this other fear, you could say, would would anybody here hold space for me? You could ask right now and have a team. It's a tradition in this circle. Thank you, and Chloe. Um, I I am aware of that, and I... um, I um I actually did the AHP training with Anna and for some weird reason lately I have not engaged in the AHPs and I, I have no idea why. Um but yes, I agree totally. Um, do you wanna do you, you wanna try it now? You wanna do it now? Yeah, yeah. 
would would anybody be willing to hold space for me in an EHP about this teacher business and the relationship? Well, maybe one thing is enough. Mm. Yeah. If Janet's both. got her hand up, so Janet is one. Oh, yes, Janet. Yes, and, okay. And, and, and Michael, Michael, what a team. Janet and Michael is a great team. Super. Thank you, guys. And then uh, you just connect with each other. With Michael. Yeah. I, I Thank will. You. Uh, Thank you. Uh, how do I find your number? Any anybody has a possibility how to find Wolf's? Wolf, I write you the number in the chat. I write you my telephone number. Thank you. So, uh, an email or, or or something would be better because I'm in New Zealand. Thank you. Good. Good. So. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Wolf. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going back out there. So use your boldness to experiment, have fun, and, and please keep sharing about what you learn and discover because each one is precious. This is really the cutting edge of human consciousness in this space that we make. And your experiments continue that. So please, please, please keep experimenting. And and if you ever feel afraid to be an asshole, you just call Ingrid. It's write a note to Ingrid and she will encourage you how to be an yeah. asshole in that circumstance. And we can do this. <laughs> yeah. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you all. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. See you. Thank you.